0: This Week in HPC, by Intersect 360 Research.
1: Rialto Bridge has fallen down.
2: U.S. and U.K. supercomputing wish lists.
0: It's This Week in HPC. Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of This Week in HPC with Intersect 360 Research distributed in partnership with HPC Wire. I'm Addison Snell with Intersect 360 Research, joined again by HPC Wire's Tiffany Trader and Oliver Peckham. And Oliver and Tiffany, This Week in HPC, we're looking at yet another HPC-related product cancellation from Intel.
1: Yeah, that's right. Um, Intel's uh, CEO, Pat Gelsinger, announced some changes to the GPU roadmap. Uh, They have canceled the GPU that was codenamed uh, Rialto Bridge. That was supposed to be the successor to the current uh, Mac series GPU that is known as uh, Ponte Vecchio, the the GPU that's going into the uh, Aurora system. Um, The uh, Rialto Bridge uh, was due out next year. Uh, but now that that is canceled, um, the next Mac series will be the GPU arch- architecture codenamed Falcon Shores, uh, which has also been uh, had a change. It was supposed to come out next year in 2024, but now it's not going to be out, they say, they're they saying, until uh, 2025.
0: Yeah, this is a bit of a disappointment here. Now, I can look at this and look at the economic backdrop and say, I understand it. This can be the right decision, but it's ultimately a disappointment that Intel is in a position where this is the right decision, because uh, even just within the processor realm, we've seen other HPC-related cancellations from Intel, such as with the uh, night's landing um, and, uh, and the... Um, uh, the co-processors there and now uh, that's even without things like you know Omnipath leaving the company or luster that they got into and out of and other things that we can name. So the optics on this are not great.
2: It's also hard not to feel uh, a little bad for the one system that had announced that it was going to uh, to, to our knowledge that it was going to use Rialto Bridge which is uh, Maranos from five at the Barcelona Supercomputing Center it was going to have a, a relatively small, uh, for Linpack petaflops partition, uh, powered by the Rialto Bridge GPUs. Uh, we reached out to them, and they didn't have a comment on on the news. But we assume they will be probably using another generation of Intel GPU.
1: Um, yeah, I think you're you're right there, um, Oliver. They, uh, it seems reasonable that they would they would swap in uh, Ponce Vecchio, but we don't we don't have confirmation uh, from them on that at this point, and. Uh... <coughs> And Addison, I think, yeah, I think that was, you know, the, the choice that they had to make at this point to be, you know, realistic and reset their their roadmap. roadmap. They really didn't, you know, have much, much of a choice. One of the things that they also confirmed with respect to Falcon Shores is that it will be a GPU. Now, that's really important because the main selling feature, the main selling point of Falcon Shores was that it would be an XPU and that it would combine a CPU with the GPU, um, kind of similar to... You know what AMD is doing with the MI300, and then what NVIDIA is doing with tightly integrating the CPU and the GPU with uh, Grace, Grace Hopper on an SOC. Uh, so now um, that is delayed a bit. To the first, the first one, which is now due out in 2025, will be uh, will be a GPU uh, with the idea that they, you know, that they'll still pursue, you know, that XPU. Uh, uh, strategy in in the future and other that i thought was kind of interesting is that you know intel you know when they announced rialto bridge they put out a slide that says you know how great it's going to be uh you know how it's going to have um certain you know the Different performance speedups. You can see that slide in the article on on HPC Wire. But you know, now that they're canceling it, they're saying, "Oh, well, you know, it wasn't it's not that big of a deal because it was only going to provide incremental in, incremental performance improvements." So we said it was going to be really great, but uh, really it was just just incremental. And then they also um, said that they uh, they on the um, the other data center CPU that the other data center GPU that they have, which is the Flex series GPU, they have also um, made a roadmap change there. They were supposed to have an upcoming one. It's supposed to be is a Lancaster Sound. That was a a successor to the current one called Arctic Sound. That has been dropped. Um, That Lancaster Sound has been dropped. And now the next one in that iteration on that roadmap will be uh, the Melville Sound. And so that is a moving to a two-year cycle instead of a one-year cycle.
0: Yeah, these are great points that you all make, and Oliver, with regard to Maranostrum 5, that system, I I would expect that that'll be a topic of conversation when we get to the Euro HPC Summit, uh, which is coming up later this month. I would like to, to hear what the plans are. Uh, for that and and what implications there are on European supercomputing roadmaps going forward. But in terms of the competitive landscape here, uh, you know, I completely agree with you, Tiffany, that Uh, Looking at the change from the XPU to the GPU in Falcon Shores and sliding that out a little bit, I think that does have significant implications. To me, you know, maybe what it means is they're really focusing on the discrete GPU performance a little more in the near term, perhaps motivated by the hyperscale market, which has been my suspicion about NVIDIA for, for recent years, that they're really driven more by hyperscale cloud and AI than they are for the GPU computing and HPC that really drove CUDA in its earlier years. and The near-term implication is that here's AMD, which is first to market with an integrated CPU-GPU package, and the national labs are doing pretty well at it. I was just at the Rice Energy HPC conference, and there were some presentations from some uh, from some of the national labs, Bronson Messer from Oak Ridge National Labs was saying that the hippification of those codes, taking them out of CUDA and going into uh, a hip uh, translation that would run on the AMD GPUs was the work of quote, an afternoon and a half. Uh, and really downplaying how hard that was, uh, saying it was quite simple, very straightforward. This gives AMD something to draft off of while Intel has pushed out some of its parts, and we don't have Grace Hopper yet from nvidia
1: yeah exactly that that's a that's a great great quote that you you shared um and you know just like kind of double clicking on that competitive timeline you know that's uh we have this year twenty twenty three m i three hundred from a m d that you know you just you just referenced typification, and then grace Hopper you know that might be coming out and, and later this year you know this, this year as well. And so that's 2023, you have those kind of XPU type things, where, whereas uh, Intel's, you know, not saying until 2025, and then the first one, you know, won't even be um, the, the the hybrid, you know, the hybrid situation. So um, just something, something uh, you know, to consider. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it really banks on this notion that uh HPC users are looking for x86 CPUs together with Nvidia GPUs, which is some of our most recent survey data. Now we're going to be rerunning that survey Uh, In the near term in the first half of this year and we'll see if sentiments are starting to change in terms of what the HPC user outlook is for different combinations of CPUs and GPUs and in particular, we're going to want to take a look at what the sentiment is to. Uh, Intel x86, AMD x86, NVIDIA ARM, Ponte Vecchio, the MI300, and the NVIDIA GPUs in different combinations together and separately, how people feel about those. That'll help us forecast the way this is going in the
1: market. And the, and then the chiplet approach, you know, opens further opens the door to that that flexibility and 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 diversity of being able to plug different things. I know, in, you know, Intel's roadmap is delayed now, but you know, it's not just about CPU and and uh, GPU. They can they're saying they can plug other accelerator like things into there. They even they've even mentioned um, looking at put putting uh, ARM ARM CPUs, you know, not in, instead of x eighty six. So there's a lot of uh, interesting possibilities with that with that chiplet approach so that'll that'll be interesting to hear more and yeah, you mentioned you were in in houston for rice and that is where i would have been if i weren't um in singapore for the sc super sc asia event so that's where i was the same week that you were at the at the rice uh, energy event so that's sc asia and hpc asia they were co-located for the first time in singapore but actually there were three collate three collated uh, easy easy for me to say three co-located events there um, there's also the conference on next generation arithmetic or conga uh, was also there and that event is um, co-chaired by uh, john gustafson and you can get a little clue to that in the the name of the conference itself so it's really great um re- it's just it was really lively and engaging um they say that the and I could tell that there was a lot of business. A lot of business was being done too. It seemed like a really, you know, as is always the case at these events. Um, so they're they're important for that reason too, to you know, bring parties together to do, to to do business. Um, as the the SC Asia conference um, last uh, this just um, earlier this month, it drew over a thousand attendees that they reported, and from over fifty countries. And uh, 290 different organizations. So even though they were co-located this year, they, um, you know, just I think they just joined, joined forces um, to like, make it a more successful event this year. But next year, they will be uh, going, going their own way again. And next year, the SE Asia will be in Sydney in February. And that is the, the very first time that the event will be held outside of Singapore. It will be in Sydney. And I can tell you there were, uh, it was a strong Australian contingent at the event this year um from all the companies and then uh Posi's, mark mark stickles, the director of uh Posi was there and gave a keynote uh and another um some of the other people from the uh uh h p c centers and um in australia were all were also there and gave gave some good keynotes so so um it's gonna be and 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 then it's gonna be in sydney and then h the p c Asia will be back in japan uh next next january so
0: I hope to be able to attend. Yeah, not only outside of Asia, but not only outside of Singapore, but outside of Asia, as it were. But uh, most of us have Australia as part of that expanded Asia Pacific region. So I I understand the motivation there as well. Um, So a lot of big news there. Thank you for the update from SC Asia. Meanwhile, this week in HPC, uh, we've got budgetary intentions on both sides of the pond from the United States and the UK for new generations of supercomputing. Oliver, let's start with what's going on in the UK.
2: Yeah, so there's been a, a big emphasis from the new uh, UK Prime Minister on uh, bolstering the the nation's uh, tech chops relative to the rest of the world and reestablishing, as he calls it, a UK tech leadership. So as part of that, there's been this new department for science, innovation, and technology uh, that got started up, I think, in uh, February. And then, you know, just about a week ago, announced its first set of priorities. And apparently, part of that is the creation of an exascale supercomputer. And we are hearing from Bloomberg that uh, negotiations for the budget are ongoing, but that it's targeted for around... Uh, 800 million pounds, or just under uh, a billion dollars U.S., Uh, That hasn't been approved yet, but it sounds like they're angling to start development on that pretty quickly if they can get it approved.
0: Now, something like this, you look at that nearly a billion dollars or 800 million pounds, that sounds like an expensive supercomputer, but I look at that and think that that's probably a total project cost. For example, with the Fugaku supercomputer, that was a total project cost of a little over a billion dollars, about 1.1 billion, but the actual system cost was something a little or half a billion dollars. Uh, that's probably a, a, around what we're looking at here, wouldn't you think?
2: Yeah, I, I think that sounds about right. And it's worth remembering that this is all you know, coming from sources right now. They were hoping to time, uh, according to, to reports, they were hoping to time the announcement of the supercomputer development uh, with the announcement of their spring budget uh, next week. But it sounds like the amount being asked for is contentious enough that it might be delayed a little bit past that. Once we get a formal announcement, we'll have more information around you know, how that budget is broken down and uh, when they expect to develop and launch the system.
0: Well, and speaking of things that aren't totally baked in, now we can put the UK system in context, but let's bring the United States into this because there's a new budget out of President Biden's administration that also includes uh, an increase in funding for supercomputing.
2: Yeah, that one is uh, going through uh, the NSF, which he's targeting a, a massive increase in the NSF budget. Uh, so in the budget, $11.3 billion, and that includes a proposal for the construction of the leadership class computing facility. Now, this isn't uh, something new. We've been hearing about the LCCF for a while. It's under development at the Texas Advanced Computing Center, Tech. Um, And that is targeting, I think, around like a 2026 operational date and includes like a whole center as well as what they've described as a roughly half exaflop system called Horizon that they've been exploring for a while.
0: Now, this is another one that's a wish list, right? This is President Biden's budget. It still has to get through a Republican House of Representatives, uh, which, you know, you can look at that and say, does it have a good chance or not? The fact that we're looking at money for Texas might help that to go through. uh, But uh, again, it's open for debate.
2: I think that's I think that's totally right. I think it does help that uh, TAC is definite TAC and their their partners. You know, it isn't just TAC; it's a it's a large consortium of uh, of partners that are working on the LCCF. They've really been doing their homework. You know, they've been pretty open in uh, various conferences about their development roadmap and uh, you know stakeholder participation. Uh, there's a, there's a lot of groundwork for this system and for this center, and it's been in their eyes for a long time. Uh, so I, I am decently faithful that this one will go through at least in some form.
1: Yeah, it remains to be seen whether whether they'll, they'll get the full amount that they're requesting. F- like that, he's asked. Uh, President Biden's asking for 11.3 billion, and last year got 8.8 billion. So that would be a significant increase. Uh, last year he asked for a 20% boost and only got 4%. So you know, even if this project gets funded, it's it's yet to be seen if it will, if they'll unlock additional funding or if they'll you know find the kind of like pull the money from from other areas. Uh, and then furthermore, they asked for the Office of Science uh, request was also in here, and there's a request for $8.8 billion, uh, which includes $35 million, to create the 18th national lab at a minority serving institution, M- MSI, uh, where they'll, you know, enable cutting edge research. So I thought that that was a, that, that could be a good, good addition to this uh, program.
0: Well, Oliver, if you feel like uh, this one is the one that you feel a little more confident about, I'll go the other way. I think anything that's a spending increase out of the Biden administration right now uh, just doesn't have a great chance getting through Congress. I have a little more faith in the U.K. plan right now than I do in the U.S. plan. But, you know, this is a gambler's market right now. And who knows And we're still trying to normalize all of our economic activity coming out of the pandemic.
2: Yeah, and I think, you know, there's a lot of sensitivity over spending uh, across the pond, especially with energy prices being top of mind during the winter. And we've been seeing a a little bit of, you know, kind of tittering around the costs of supercomputers while people are struggling to uh, pay their bills, especially because supercomputers do themselves tend to be very energy intensive. So sometimes the optics can't be great. And uh, I, I wonder about that when it comes to the UK proposal
0: sustainability is a is another topic that really is getting a lot of emphasis both in regards to how much it costs to power these systems and in terms of their carbon output it was something that we heard more about at uh, the rice energy event and i would be astonished if it wasn't a primary topic of conversation at euro hpc steve conway will be covering that event on behalf of intersect 360 research we're really looking forward to it
1: and another, another thing I think we should know, Oliver, that you, you pointed out in your article is, you know, while we're talking about the UK, we're waiting to see action on on another UK system, which is the big Met uh, UK Met Office uh, weather and climate supercomputer that was announced in 2020. We're still waiting to hear about that launch.
0: Another good point. We, we've got a lot that we're waiting for and a lot more still to come. So thanks for the news stories. Our listeners, as always, can check out the details at HPC Wire. Oliver, Tiffany, thanks for joining me for another podcast. You've been listening to This Week in HPC. You've been listening to This Week in HPC, brought to you by Intersect 360 Research, actionable market intelligence for high-performance computing. For more information, visit intersect360.com.